Great God in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to even speak to you, God. Lord, we we shouldn't exist. We shouldn't be standing here. Much less should we have the privilege to come before your throne and speak to you, the high king of heaven. But God, because of your son, because you died on a cross for a bunch of rebellious traitors, you let us come before you as your children. Those of us who believe, you invite us in as adopted sons and daughters to come before you at any time with any request. And so, Lord, we come before you now asking that you would speak through your word. Father, I know that the preacher is weak and frail and unworthy and unable. So, Lord, we ask for your spirit to move in spite of all of that. God, I know that there are so many of us that are distracted by the worries and the weights and the burdens of this world, but Lord, I pray that your Spirit would move and speak in spite of that. God, each of us here this morning needs to hear a word from your perfect word, the Scriptures that have been passed down to us over generations. So Father, please speak through the power of your word to encourage us, Lord, but also to convict us, to pierce us to our very hearts. Lord, to give us strength and comfort, to challenge us, to live for you, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but because of what you've done for us. Lord, we ask that you would bless this time. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Messiah. Amen. You have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do. I encourage that you take it and turn with me once again to the book of Philippians. If you do not have a copy of the Bible that you own for yourself, feel free to take one of the copies that's in the pew in front of you. Keep that as our gift to you. We've got more. We'll put another one out there, all right? If you would prefer to just follow along on the screens, the text will be on the screens as well. We're going to be reading the same passage that we read last week. We're just going to focus on a different set of verses. So we'll be in Philippians. We'll be in chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verse 12 through verse 30. As you find your place in sacred scripture, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. As we look together now at Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. The word of the Lord says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy. And rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes. And I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, 
Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may, be, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We began this sermon series looking at the book of Philippians, the letter that Paul writes to the Philippians in Acts chapter 16, if you'll remember. We talked about some of the founding members of the church at Philippi. There was a very wealthy woman who was high up in the fashion industry with multiple homes. She was a wealthy and well-to-do woman of the fashion industry. Her name was Lydia. We also talked about a possessed woman, a a demon-possessed young girl who was a slave. And then lastly, we talked about a jailer. Those three people, we hear about their conversions while Paul is in Philippi. And since then, there have obviously been deacons and overseers who have been appointed to this church to serve and to lead. They've been extremely helpful to Paul in all of his ministries. They've supported him even when he was in other places so that he didn't have to ask for finances or resources from other churches while he was there. Paul begins his letter by being very thankful for them, talking about how great the support that they have given him has carried him on. Their support has been what has given him hope and strength. They give, he gives them an update on how he is and what he's doing as he is imprisoned. And then when we get to verse 12, there's a shift and Paul says, I want you to know. He's already talked about the assurance that he has that he who began a good work in the Philippians will be faithful to complete it. And he gives us assurance that the Christ who has saved us is the same Christ who will preserve us. And then he moves to now, here's what I want you to know. I've given you assurance in Christ. I've told you how grateful I am for you. Here's what I want you to know. And we focused last week on verses 12 through 18, talking about how Paul was in prison and God put him in prison on purpose and for a purpose. That because Paul was in prison, there were Roman guards who heard the gospel that might not ever have heard the gospel otherwise. In the same way, He has emboldened other believers to proclaim their faith, to give them courage because they see that even in shackles, even during imprisonment, Paul is spreading the gospel. And so 
Not only are more people hearing the gospel because of Paul being in prison, but more people are boldened up, emboldened to share the gospel. And so the gospel is advancing and growing all throughout Paul's imprisonment. And Paul also says that there are those who are going around trying to prove to everybody that they're better speakers, better pastors, better preachers than Paul is, and they're trying to preach the gospel out of rivalry with Paul. They're trying to show Paul up by preaching the gospel. And Paul says, that does not matter at all. There's, there's no point in being a, a rival, being a nemesis, having churches pitted against other churches, only that the gospel goes forth. And in that, Paul rejoices. And so he rejoices, and here we are in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. This is an incredible turn of a phrase that Paul uses. He's talking about deliverance, but do we really know if he's talking about deliverance from prison or deliverance from this life? What comes after this word deliverance would suggest that he's talking about being delivered unto salvation in the presence of the Lord. But what comes before this phrase would indicate he's talking about deliverance out of the prison, out of his imprisonment. And Paul does it. He's such a wordsmith. The Holy Spirit leads him in such a way as to write different little double entendres into the Scripture. He's talking about one way or another, there will be deliverance for Paul. And then he elaborates on what that means. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I will be delivered, and I have no fear because whether by my life or by my death, God will deliver me and advance his gospel. And folks, this is an attitude that Paul has throughout all of his writing that we in the church today, that I miss constantly. I forget that God will deliver, and it is a blessing however God delivers. If we are under persecution, if we are experiencing illness or sadness or depression or despair or some sort of family turmoil or some sort of financial turmoil or some sort of upheaval in our life, and we are crying out to God for deliverance, We're often focused in on one type of physical deliverance in the here and now. Paul puts this ambiguity into the word deliverance and where he uses it because he's not talking about just getting out of prison. He's talking about being freed from this world. And we know that because of what he says in verse 21. Whether by my life or by my death, I know that Christ will be honored in my body. Verse 21, he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. This is one of those pillar verses in Philippians. This is one of those verses that many of us probably know by heart. Even if you didn't know that it was Philippians 1.21, you probably have heard, if you've grown up in church, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But we've heard it so much, it's almost as though the words no longer affect us. It's as though they bounce off of us. You remember the old kindergarten adage, I'm rubber and you're glue, and whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Well, we've heard this phrase so often, it just bounces off of us and just falls to the wayside. I don't even know who it sticks to at this point. But we just glaze past it. I I like this verse, and man, that's great. For Paul to live as Christ and to die is gain. That is fantastic. I love that Paul was that committed to Christ. But then we often just 
keep moving and forget that that is the call on our lives. Folks, I've all week long sat in these verses, and it's just crazy when you have this verse on the forefront of your mind trying to prepare a sermon to think everything that you do is this living Christ. Is, is, is how I'm living right now, is, is this Christ. Yesterday, my boys and I went to the nature trail. We walked around the nature trail. Michael wanted to play at the playground, and Luke wanted to walk in the nature trail, so we compromised. We played at the playground, and then we walked around the nature trail. And, uh, you know, by the end of the nature trail, they're, they're, they're small boys, so they're kind of done. They're wanting me to carry them, and they're really tired, and they get back in the car, and they're really whiny. And so then I take them and get them a little slushy to try and make up for it. And so we, we go to happy hour at Sonic, and everybody gets a slushy, and we're good, and we make it back home. And I finally get them in and get them showered, and we got dinner planned, so we got to get all that going. And I sit down in my chair. I don't know if you guys have a chair, all right, but I, I have a chair. And I've had this chair for a long time, and I have a very special relationship with this chair. It's a special chair, all right? When you come to my house, you'll see it. You'll see how well-worn it is. And while we were at Sonic at happy hour, I'm going to admit, all right, this is me confessing to you, my brothers and sisters, I didn't get a slushy, all right? I got a Reese's Black, okay? I didn't need it. I just got it. I just, I, I wanted it. I, de- I felt like I deserved it. And I went and I sat down in my chair and I kicked my feet up and Alabama was playing and I was a quarter behind and I'm trying to catch up before the, uh, the dinner plans have to come up. The boys are finally out of my hair and I'm thinking about them as being out of my hair and I got my sonic blast and I'm in my chair and my feet are kicked up and I'm just, oh man. Life is good. You know what I mean? You're just in that place. And then I just couldn't help but think about this sermon. And I thought, wow, is this living Christ? Is this to live as Christ? Is this what Paul was talking about when he's sitting in jail writing a letter to Philippian believers to encourage them from the prison, talking about the advancement of the gospel, and here I am wasting money on ice cream I don't need that's going to make me fatter than I already am with my feet propped up in my comfy chair, which half the world doesn't even have, just so you all know, they can't even afford a nice comfy chair. And I got my comfy chair and my feet are kicked up, and I'm thinking, is this really... To live is Christ. I I had no gospel thoughts in those moments. I had no gospel thoughts walking on the nature trail. I thought, God, help me get through this nature trail. My boys are driving me nuts. I can't carry both of them on my back, Lord. There's just not enough room back there, okay? Can't do it. You're going to have to help these boys make it, Lord. I don't know what's going on. There's no thought of advancing the gospel. There's no concept in my mind of how I could use these moments to teach my children something about the gospel, to disciple them, to help them along the way. It's just we're going to go, we're going to walk, I'm going to go home, I'm going to watch Alabama football, and I'm going to veg out. I don't know about you guys, but that's a, a huge temptation. And our culture loves to tell us that we deserve to veg out. You know what I mean? We've worked hard. We deserve to have a chair. We deserve to kick our feet up. We deserve to get that extra sonic blast. I know you had one two days ago. I know your pants are already size 40, but you need another sonic blast. Go ahead and spend four more dollars on a sonic blast. Four dollars you didn't need to waste on that. You deserve it. You worked hard. We get to retirement age. Oh, you worked so hard all those years. You deserve to be able to do nothing. You deserve to kick your feet up and do nothing. You just deserve all these great things. We are entitled to so many things. God owes me. I have served him. You don't know, but I have served him. He owes me something. And here's Paul. 
Folks, it's just right there. There's, there's no super special Greek interpretation we got to look at. It's just right there in plain English for you and for me. A man who was a regular guy. He's not somebody who's some super person that, that because of his great discipline is in this place. He's a regular guy. He's afraid of being in jail just like me and you. He's afraid of being executed just like me and you. But he is filled with and focused on the Holy Spirit in such a way that he says, you know what, if I live, that's, that's all right. If I die, that's a gain. It's a plus. This is also one of the few passages where we are reminded that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When Paul says, I could depart and go be with Christ, it's another time Paul is telling us that when we depart this life, we go to be with Christ if we are believers. And he's so certain of that that it flavors everything about what he does and how he lives. He goes to work and makes tents so that he can advance the gospel, not so that he can rake in profits and build up his own kingdom. He's focused on Christ and Christ's kingdom. Every conversation, Paul is looking to turn it to a gospel conversation. He's a regular guy, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living an ordinary life, but we remember him for the extraordinary things that the Holy Spirit did in him and through him. But the Holy Spirit snatched him up And he focused on God, and for him, to live was Christ, and to die was gain. And I I just wonder, without raising your hand, how many of us can say, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain? I like to say that I believe that it'll be gain when I die. That's that's what a pastor is supposed to say. But is it true of what's in my heart? I like to say that to live is Christ. And I I come here and I study and I prepare and I visit people in the hospitals and try and pray for folks and pray with folks. But is my life really for Christ? You may remember from uh, a few sermons back that we looked at Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, look with me. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the same concept that we're seeing in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. To live is Christ. We have died. We've been raised with Christ. And to live being Christ, for our life to be Christ, it's for us to set our minds on things that are above. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Folks, I think, that maybe you guys might fall into the same trap that I do. I like to compartmentalize things. It makes makes life easier for me to, to put things in little containers within my mind and within my heart. And this is the Christian part of my life. And this is my home life. And this is how I act in front of my wife. And this is how I act in front of these people. And this is who I got to be. I got to be all things to all people. So I'm going to compartmentalize 
all of it, and we think, here's the Jesus part. Here's the part where Jesus fits. But see, it doesn't work like a compartment. That's why I brought some water, okay? This water represents your life and my life, okay? Some of us are bigger than others, okay? So we have different containers. The water can be in different containers, all right? And so when Christ, who is our life, when we believe in Christ, we die. We're dead. We're done. And so what happens is Christ comes into our life, all right? That's a lot of Jesus in our life. I hadn't even started up yet, and I want you to find the clear spots. All right, y'all see where it's clear? See, there's maybe, maybe a little, there might be a little corner. Hang on, can you see it? I'll put it up here. Look, there may be a little, a little bit right here where it's not quite as pink, and that part's not Jesus's. This water is my life, and I pour Jesus into it, but there's still some place for me to, to not really give over to Jesus, right? Well, but you know, then what happens is we go to church on Sunday. And while we're at church, we, uh, we sing and we worship, and it stirs up our affection for Jesus. And it stirs up the Holy Spirit within us. And you know what, y'all? I believe that's pink. It looked like this when we started, but now it's pink. Because we die. And we invite Christ into our life, and he goes from the top to the bottom and everywhere in between. To live is Christ, to live is to be completely filled and covered over by Jesus. There's not a part of our lives that we get to say, I'm just going to sit here and relax and kick my feet up and eat my sonic blast with the Reese cups in it because I deserve it, because I'm entitled. Our whole life belongs to Christ. In Colossians verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, Christ, who is your life? If you believe in Jesus, and if I believe in Jesus, then Christ no longer is part of our life. He is our life. And you know what? Just to be fair, I just want to show you, it works no matter what size you are, no matter where you're from, no matter who, you, who your parents are. Yeah, I got, we're going to be gender in specific. We got pink and we got blue. Look, you take this Kool-Aid powder, all right? You pour this Kool-Aid powder right in there. Boom, look at it, fill all of it up. Every bit, all of it, ain't even started up yet. All the clear is going away. And then look, I don't even have to start. I can just shake it a little bit. You just shake it around, and then now the whole cup, that's a deep blue, y'all. There ain't nothing left. But here, here's the part that I love, okay? When you pour some of it out, even after our life, you pour some out. Oh, my goodness. What's left? There's some residue in the bottle. There's so much Jesus that gets into us that even after we die, our faith is carried on by those we've discipled. The faith continues even after we've been poured out. Paul talks about if I have to be poured out like a drink offering, then so be it. If I have to die for the sake of the gospel, then so be it. To live for me is Christ and to die is gain. And there's nothing that we get to withhold or hide from Jesus. There's nothing, there's no aspect of our life that we get to say, this is mine, Jesus. You can't have it. We give it all to him and surrender to him completely. And when we do, even when our life is poured out, the gospel continues. Even when there's no water left, there's still a little bit of Jesus left in the cup for the next believers down the line. Whether those are your kids or whether those are the kids you taught in Sunday school or whether that's the man that you came alongside and partnered with him as he was going through a divorce, or the woman that you came alongside when she was struggling with all sorts of sin in her life, and you helped disciple them and show them Jesus in every aspect of our lives. There's a great missionary in, from the past, 
John Gibson Patton. He was born in 1824 in Scotland. He lived until 1907. He's a Protestant missionary to the New Hebrides Islands of the South Pacific. This missionary is getting ready to go and speak to the heathens and tell them the gospel. And Mr. Dixon, his companion, comes up to him and says, you'll be eaten by cannibals. Rebukes him. How dare you go? You're going to die. They're not going to listen to you. What's the point? And then Mr. Patton replies, if I can but live and die serving the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference whether I'm eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. One way or another, folks, these bodies are going to get eat up. These bodies are going to dissolve and be forgotten. The only thing that will carry on is Christ. So for you, is to live Christ is to die gain. Three practical things I want to leave you with. The way that we live in such a way that we are walking worthy of the gospel, as Paul will say in verse 27. We read it this morning. Verse 27, walking worthy of the gospel. Living a life that is consumed by Christ looks like doing these three things. Three simple things. They all start with L. You can handle it. You ready? Leverage, leave, lead. Leverage, lead, leave. You can leverage your life, your career for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Maybe God has not called you to go and be a missionary to some random island and and preach the gospel to the cannibals. But God has put you where you are for a purpose. Just like we talked about last week with Paul being in the prison. Paul's in the prison on purpose and he leverages his location to share the gospel. God has given you the career that you have for the sake of leveraging your influence for the gospel. So you have to ask yourself, how am I going to be a teacher or a dentist or a surgeon or work at Power South or provide electricity for people or make caskets or preach the gospel or do whatever you're doing, whatever God has called you to do, how are you going to leverage that for the kingdom? Not just in a part of your business. Not just in a part of your life, but to be so saturated and so filled that there's nobody that works with you that doesn't know that Jesus is your life. That for you to live is Christ. How can you influence the students that come into your class? How can you influence the people that you come in contact with every day? If God hasn't called you to go, he's called you to leverage your current career. He's called you to leverage your retirement You have all the time in the world now, and you can use it spending all of your time with grandchildren and buying gifts and going shopping and having fun trips, or you can use every moment of it to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to work for the kingdom. You can leverage. You can leave. I know it might sound crazy, but even if you're at retirement age, even if you're in the middle of your career, even if you're in your mid-40s and you've been established in this career for a long time, did you know that there are people that leave their careers every day for the sake of the gospel? And, and right now you might be thinking, ooh, man, Pastor, I'm, I'm rethinking that leverage part. You know, you said leverage, and I was thinking, well, I, maybe I do that at my work, but I just step up my leverage game. God ain't calling me to leave. Maybe he is. Lee and Laura Ashley could have had a really nice life here. But even from within our midst, God called them to leave, and they were obedient. 
There have been others who have been called to leave, and they have picked up and gone. Ryan and Mackenzie Taylor work with Campus Outreach now. They picked up their life and they left because God called them. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. God can call you to leave, and you can, and he will support you, and he will sustain you. Do not suppress God's call on your life to just leave and say, I've put all of this time into this career, but I was running from God, and God has called me to go and be a missionary, to go and proclaim the gospel, to go and be an evangelist, to go into this place. You can go and keep your same career. You could be called to leave Andalusia in the Covington County area and go to a place where there are tons of lost people and restart your business right there. Move your business to there. God might be calling you to leave, but you don't have to be an official missionary God might be calling you to go and join in with a church plant and they need somebody who has an entrepreneurial mind like you do, who can start a business and support this church plant like you can and nobody else can do it like that. Maybe God's calling you to leverage your career and where you are in life right now for his kingdom. Maybe God's calling you to leave and go for his sake. Or maybe God's calling you to leave. Maybe some of you right here sitting right now have felt a tug before to be in ministry, to lead others to leverage their careers, to lead others to leave and go and follow Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to wrestle with that or or think about it. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever contemplated, God could use me for that. I could do that. If Nathan can stand up there and preach, then Lord knows anybody can because he's the most foolish man I've ever met in my life. If he could do it, anybody could do it. Maybe God's calling you to lead the church in some capacity. But if we're going to live in such a way that to live is Christ and to die is gain, if we're going to live in such a way that Jesus fills every portion of our life, the way to do that is to either leverage, leave, or leave. This is how we live a life where we can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everything I have and everything I am is geared towards growing the gospel. That same word we focused on, advancing the gospel from last week. Everything about my job, everything about my family, everything about who I am is about proclaiming the gospel. Is that true of you? Have you told Jesus, you know what, you can have all this, but uh, I I keep this bit. You don't, you don't get to touch that part. I know it's already purple. Just work with me. Are you saying, Christ, you're everything. You are my life except for this. If that's you this morning, that's not following Jesus. If that's me this morning, that's not following Jesus. Our culture is seductive. We have so many nice things. Forget them. You don't need them. You don't deserve them. I don't deserve them. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Are you willing to leverage? Are you willing to leave? Are you willing to leave? Are you willing to follow Christ and let him be every square inch of your life? Let's pray.
great God in heaven, we thank you that because Christ died, our lives can be swallowed up in the life of Jesus. God, we thank you that because of Jesus, there is hope of life and hope of life after death. But Lord, you have called us not to just haphazardly or half-heartedly love you and serve you. You have called us to give you everything we have and everything we are. God, you've called us to leverage our influence to lead people to you. You've called us to leave where we are to go and serve you. You've called us to lead others in following you. God, help us to live out our calling. God, help me. Father, I know that I don't live up to these words that Paul wrote. God, I just ask that you help all of us to repent so that we might be able to say with the same confidence and assurance that Paul said, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be assured that we will be delivered from whatever ails us, from whatever storm, whatever trial, whatever burden. But that deliverance might come through healing or provision in this life. That deliverance might come from the gain of departing this life and being face to face with you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, to see that day. We long for it, Father. Help us to let it permeate into every part of our lives. May we look like you. May we act like you. May we smell like you, Father. That we may be Christians in every part of our lives so that we can say confidently, our lives are you. And when you appear, you, Christ, who are our lives, we rejoice and celebrate in the gain we have experienced. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. Would you move on our hearts now, Spirit? We ask all of this in the precious name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.